0: Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired
1: up. What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we're going to welcome in the great Michael Cugno from CBS4 to talk about this big game on Sunday, December NFL football and the importance of the stretch run for your Miami Dolphins, plus the return of JPP covering your hometown team. We'll talk Nat Moore trophy, fun chat with Mike cuno plus Kyle Krabs joins us to break down the weekend and championship weekend in college football. We'll hear from Mike McDaniel and a heck of a lot more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast.
2: My name is
1: my guest today, CBS4's Mike Cugno. Joining me today is CBS4's own Mike Cunio. Cunio, what's happening, my man? What's up, Travis? How's it going? It's going pretty good. I had a, My first question for you here is, did you ever think there was more to life than being really, really ridiculously good looking?
2: <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> uh, but no, no. This is what <laughs> I've been looking for. It's It's been an ugly duckling sort of thing. Most of my life. So I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> if you see something that, that I don't, thank you.
1: <laughs> Broadcasting 101 is to make your guest as uncomfortable as possible off the start, right? You nailed it. You <laughs> nailed it. I'm now sweating under here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was running over some show notes uh, last night before I went to bed and I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know what? I read I read the story in the Miami New Times about when you won your Emmy and the and the, the way the, the writer positioned it was like it's almost annoying how good looking Kunio was. And he just it was a whole thing. it was hilarious to me. So I thought about the great Zoolander quote there. Put it in here. It's staying in the show, I think. OK, um, but we'll, we'll go ahead and move on here. And I, I do want to talk to you about about that as about your mm-hmm. your upbringing here in South Florida and, you know, pursuing a life in sports. I was the same way, man. Like every day I was out in my backyard throwing the ball up and down to myself. And, you know, I would, I would run back like a, a super Nintendo NBA game and just read the scores and pretend I was doing broadcasting. Like, I love that stuff. So this stuff fascinates yeah. me. I want to hear about your journey and how special it was to you to, to achieve the position you're in now as a kid that grew up loving sports in South Florida to now work across the entire, you know, professional sports spectrum here in, in the South Florida area.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's been wild. It's definitely not the normal route a, a lot of people have taken. I remember telling telling friends like in high school and college when they ask you what do you want to do, I said, "Yeah, I want to get, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be an analyst," not even realizing what that what that really was in, in terms of, of sports. Because um, obviously, I'm not analyst. I'm more of a host and anchor and reporter. But, um, the, you know, just your friends kind of looking at you like you're crazy and then getting to college and not really having any direction and, and and what what like classes you need to take. I didn't take like a single television class, probably not something good to admit. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of got got my way on there through through internships and all that stuff. But listen, growing up down here in Miami, um was a huge Miami Hurricanes fan. My dad was a big dolphins fan. My mom loved the Heat. We kind of all rallied around the Marlins and Panthers as they as they came um you know into their own here at, at, in the market. So kind of being able to grow up with all these teams because Miami Sports relatively young, you know, Heat in the 80s, Panthers, Marlins in the 90s, you got to like grow with those teams. And so that's kind of where my passion for South Florida sports started. And it's just been, you know, a dream come true to be able to do this down here uh, in my home market and have, you know, my friends and family also see, you know, this kid who said he wanted to do it and then eventually did it. I mean, it's, it's wild. I pinch myself every day, for
1: sure. The fact that it is your own market is pretty cool. Even though I grew up a Dolphins fan, everyone knows about that. And this is where I wanted to be ultimately. Like I got a text from my buddy last night that was like, you're on the Yahoo Sports Fantasy update about Devon A-Chain being limited in practice. Like, All I did was post the image of the injury report on Twitter and they found it. So I guess the right people are following me. So that's cool, I suppose. Uh, You also mentioned like, you know, when you announced that this is the the path you want to pursue. People that are are like a little bit dubious about it. And mm-hmm. my my step or my my wife's stepfather, I was like four years into it. Locked on dolphins was like the top, like top hundred Apple chart every single week. And he was like, Travis just sits in his house all day, doesn't do anything. I don't know how Caitlin supports him <laughs> still, but so like people don't get it. And that's why it's so funny to me to hear you yeah. talk about that because you took a more conventional path than I did for sure. Um, but one of the the those stops on that path is a really cool thing that South Florida does. And I don't have this back in the Northwest, of course. South mm-hmm. Florida is the football mecca of the, the universe, in my opinion, is the Nat Moore trophy. I just wanted yeah. to ask you about that in general, your involvement in that this year's crop of kids and and just how cool and special it is to, to win that trophy down here, to be honored by one of the all-time Dolphins greats in an area where if you're the best high school football player here, you're probably going to play in this league someday.
2: Yeah, it was long overdue for the area when, when we started this. And it was five years ago now, we had a, a brief pause one season because of the COVID year, But this is the fourth year we're handing out the trophy. And it's been really cool. I mean, everyone talks about, you know, high school football and which state is better. And Florida is obviously always mentioned with states like Texas and California. I know in Texas, uh, CBS station out there has a similar style of an award. And that's kind of where we adopted the idea here at CBS Miami. And no one was doing this. And it it just seemed kind of silly to us that. We don't have, you know, kind of a best of or final four, like Heisman style trophy for these kids when each and every year, heck, on Sundays you're watching and you hear, oh, so-and-so went to Miami Northwestern. So-and-so went to powerhouse St. Thomas Aquinas. So, let's, you know, let's recognize these kids and their families and their coaches and their teams. And so that's what we've done. And this year, um, you know, it, it, the, every year, the, you know, it's not just like a quarterback award. I mean, this year we have three wide receivers and a running back. Uh, in years past, we've had mostly defense. You know, we've had offensive linemen. So we really try to find who truly are the best football players in the area. This year, you've got two kids at of Chaminade Madonna, uh, wide receiver Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader. You got LeWayne McCoy, who's a guy who could play both sides of the ball over at Central. And then you've got uh, Jordan Lyle running back, St. Thomas Aquinas and if you're ever the running back at St. Thomas Aquinas you're probably a really good you know football player so we've got a healthy crop of kids this year and it is just so hard just to narrow it down to those final four so for anyone who's listening to this who follows along with the Nat Moore stuff just know that this is very difficult to, to whittle it down to four, let alone the final one. Um, but it's it's very cool. We've seen it kind of pick up steam last year. We had Ruben Bain, who's just been an absolute stud at the University of Miami and ACC. He won the award and then committed to Miami on the show, kind of surprising people as they're handing him the trophy. He's like, Oh yeah, by the way, I'm staying home, going to awesome. Miami. So so yeah, it's been it's been real cool. It's been fun to watch the, the families, the schools, the coaches, and the players all kind of get behind this in kind of such short order, and again, our our fifth year, but really our fourth trophy we're giving out. And I mean, you just see the amount of votes that come in and the nominations. And that's been really cool to see.
1: It's it's awesome, man. The stars of tomorrow, like you mentioned there, because all those kids wind up playing at Miami, at FSU, at Florida, maybe even Alabama, like they're playing at the biggest schools in in the entire nation. So it's definitely big time talent there. And speaking of big time talent and a local kid that, you know, hit it big and is coming back home here one of the many South Florida natives who made the league now gets a chance to fulfill his dream of playing for his hometown team in Jason Pierre Paul. I just wanted to hear from someone who's from here, who lives it. You just told us about the Nat Moore trophy and the importance of the local, you know, high school level football down here. Someone who understands the scene. Just tell me about the importance of that and why that's so damn cool for him, for folks that are from here, for yourself. Like, why is it always so cool when you get a Mike White or Robbie Chosen or a JPP coming back here to South Florida? Because... You like, so I've actually
2: covered like Pop Warner football. That's kind of like where my TV career started, like doing little league games. We go out and and report on these games and do highlights for them and air, you know, on TV the the, the next day. But when you're out there and you see these families and it's not just mom and dad are out there. You see aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone out there going to, to these games at these local parks. And then, you know, they move on, JPP obviously with the South Florida, so University of South Florida. So that kind of family connection was probably easy for him to, to migrate north to Tampa. And then when the, it just always seems like somehow these guys find their way back home. And when that happens and, and you, you hear them make a play and you hear that faint like, you know, little in the crowd yeah you're like there's a section right (laughs) like there's the mike white mike white section or there's the duke johnson section like these these guys grew up literally in the shadow of hard rock stadium i remember when we covered duke johnson when he was in high school you can literally see the stadium from their football field so it, it it means a lot that they get to play in their backyard and have their families come check it out and because it's such a rich area of high school football it's not like it's not like this is a rare occurrence so all these families also know each other you know the i'm sure when alan hearns was here um obviously i don't know their families but alan hearns duke johnson's families probably sat in in you know at little league parks next to each other and then to, to sit next to each other at hard rock stadium one day. It, it's, it's just, it, I don't know. It's very unique. I think in the NFL and it's wild. And it's, it's always cool to have these guys come home.
1: Yeah. I like, you know, like I keep saying, I'm not from an area where that's common at all. Like I think mm-hmm. we had like one NFL guy, in, like two decades yeah. from my local area. So it just doesn't happen up there, but down here, it's, it's a way of life, man. You Like you said, the family experience of it all is really, really cool. Great stuff, Cunio. I want to pivot now towards more dolphins themed type of conversation here on the Drive Time Podcast on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. And one of the things we've been hearing from a theme perspective this weekend with, you know, reporters and the players and coaches are talking about the podium. And we just, it's it's a common thing across podcasts and TV shows, is December football, right? OJ yeah. McDuffie always tells me they never you remember what you do in December. Like it says go to quote. And I'm wondering how you feel like last year's experience where the wheels kind of fell off in December. and Of course, you had an injury to your quarterback that played into that. You had three really difficult road games. In fact, thinking back to that, a West Coast swing in two tough places to play against two good teams yeah. in the Niners and Chargers. And then a short week at Buffalo on a Saturday night. That was a tough, tough road to hoe. And they were in those games and came up short in those. How do you think that taught this team maybe some perseverance, maybe the ability to overcome some of those, you know, the obstacles that come with an NFL season. How do you think last year in Mike McDaniel's first year prepared this team to make a run this year in December?
2: Well, I think when you look at the schedule now, and yet they're the end of the season that isn't necessarily on the road. But you go, hey, remember those tough games against you know the Chargers and the Niners and the Bills? Well, you have a stretch like that coming up for the Dolphins. You know, you, the Bills. I know they've been had an up and down year by their standards, still a good football team. You got the Cowboys, and then you got the Ravens, right? So those three games stacked up, while not all of them are are on the road, they do kind of mirror the challenge you had a year ago and how if you don't hold on to that rope and you do not focus, it can slip away, and then it feels like, you know, you're pushing uphill. And that's not where you want to be. I think uh, Christian Wilkins said it this week. That, you know, early in the year, September, October, you're playing ball, December, it's like, it's where you make your money, right? This is where um, the Dolphins have to show that they've improved. And the thing that I've liked about this Dolphins team is, even if you go back to like week one and week two, say, hey, the run defense didn't show up this week, the next week you saw improvements. Hey, uh, on the road, they had struggles, communication, um, they can't win on the road. You know, they're back to 500 now um, away from Hard Rock Stadium. So to me, I think it shows growth. I think they learned a lot of things last year that you can't just, A, look ahead, and and B, if you're not just in the moment in that game right now, you have the the chance of dropping or getting steamrolled in a situation where you shouldn't. And so I, I think they've done a good job this year of staying where their feet are and making improvements week to week and
1: that's what i like to see if they can do that kind of on the macro now do it in december football i think they'll be okay i love that you mentioned that stretch because to me it almost simulates like a playoff run like you Mm -hmm. you Take care of business the next three games, yeah. right? That would make you 11-3. and three. That would make Dolphins fans very, very happy. It's easier said than done, but the opportunity is there to do that. And then you get a trial run. Like, and if you lose, you get to try again. Like, it's kind of cool how they have that set up there for them to really get their biggest test late in the season with, you know, potentially a division title already in hand. If they can take care of business and get one more Buffalo loss, that's all it would take. So, look at Division for- title, program, AFC title, I mean, there's a lot at play. Like, those
2: games are going to mean something. It's not just another regular season game those games actually have implications and i think that's even better for them because now it's like you get that sense of an elimination style week
1: to your point i mean you talk about home and road like some of those games could decide whether you're playing down here or mm-hmm. up in kansas city or up you know wherever it might be in the postseason so oh. i was looking up the other day when the last time they were favored in a playoff game do you know what mm-hmm. that was was it against the colts in 2000 close I I didn't look that far back because there was one after that it was actually the next year when they got bounced in the first round by the Ravens they were actually favored in that game at home but it it was a blowout for the Ravens so uh, I I just was curious about that because like I'm thinking the last time Miami had their starting quarterback in a playoff game was 2008 with Chad Pennington and he got picked (laughs) off four times in that game so it's just like this is the opportunity Miami has to actually go into the postseason with a team they feel like they could possibly make a run and win some games opposed to the last you know uh, decade and a half where it just hasn't been that way so it's it's a fun conversation to have and it, mm-hmm. it starts this weekend Mike in Washington um are you going to be on the road in Washington and whether or not you are what are you looking forward to in this one
2: I'll be home um for for this one so I uh, probably end up traveling later in the year as we get closer to the playoff but the um the thing I'm looking forward to this is how they bounce back from the Jalen Phillips injury yeah. and I think they have a good at least litmus test to see where that, that rush is from the edge with guys like Van Ginko and Ogba. Just because Sam Howell has been sacked more than any other quarterback in the league, I'm sure it's a stat you guys have talked about uh, you know, a lot this week. So I think it's an opportunity for that defense to really show what they can do without Jalen in there and maybe give those guys confidence that, hey, down the stretch, you know, You'd love to have him in there, but maybe we'll be okay. And I think they will be uh, because everyone speaks so highly of a guy like Andrew Van Ginkle. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And then on the other side of the ball, the turnovers, I mean, they got to stop giving the ball away, whether it's fumbles or or interceptions, you can't be minus five at this point in the season in the turnover margin when you're this good. (laughs) <laughs> like it' can't, like it can't look that bad. You can't be in the red there um uh, when it comes to turnovers, if you're if you're gonna be a team that's going to compete because at some point you're gonna run into a, a juggernaut that'll make you pay every single
1: time you turn the ball over. We've seen it happen in the the KC game. The 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 one Mm -hmm. big turnover in that game was kind of the difference in that game there with the fumble that I'm still not so sure was actually a fumble, but I digress and we move on here. So it's good stuff, man. It's the thing is like if they do that though, what's gonna stop them? You know, because it's been the only thing that's been bothering them so far this late into the season defense surging and the offense being capable of what it can do. It's I I cannot wait to watch it play out, but I also want to be present, like you talked about the Daryl Bevel quote be where your feet are and just mm-hmm. kind of appreciate this team what they're doing right now. So good stuff there. Um, a couple more here for you, Mike, and these are going a little bit back towards the personal stuff. So you had your first season on the sidelines this year, yeah. during Dolphins preseason, and you got to talk to Mike McDaniel, to a Otunga- tongue mm-hmm. like you, you did the whole gambit, right? I'm just wondering, is there a moment that maybe for a first timer made you nervous? Was there a moment that was surreal to you? I just want to hear about your experience down there and maybe a fun story to go along with it.
2: Yeah, so uh, it's, this story is kind of like we'll wrap all that up in one. But right before my first hit, um, they go on the first preseason game. They're like, hey, Mike, want to just do a real quick run through with you, uh, just a quick rehearsal. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, we're like two minutes from the broadcast starting. I'm like, <laughs> this is a great time. This is a great time. to just, But listen, those guys are busy. I, I get it. So they come to me and I couldn't, tra- I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. I'm like shaking. And this was like the re- the rehearsal. And I'm like, this is going to be terrible. And even my boss afterwards was like, yeah, I was a little nervous about you. I uh, going <laughs> to that first hit. And then, and then once it became alive, I don't know, like something came Absolutely. over me and it And it was all fine i think it's just that thing like we sometimes we talk about it in in like tv and broadcasting that like when it's alive for whatever reason you don't mess up because you can't like you you just have to do it but when you know in the back of your mind it's it's a rehearsal then you start to overthink and you're like am i doing this right and then and so you trip up so that first hit right out of the gate i was like oh my god I, this is like the one of the biggest moments of my career and I'm about, to fall, flat, <laughs> I'm about to fall flat on my face. And uh no, it, it ended up it ended up working out great. Um doing the uh the the real I think the pinch myself moment was you always hear like on the the NFL broadcasts uh like hey, we caught up with Mike McDaniel this week, who we got to sit down for for with him for like an hour in our production meeting or whatever it is. But being able to do that. And just kind of really get the sense every week where these guys are at, what like makes them tick, uh, where their headspace is at, at that point in training camp and preseason, what they're looking forward to. Having those kind of like moments where there's no cameras, it's just you and the coaches or you and the players um, talking, catching up. To me, that was... Um, My favorite part of the whole thing, just because I think you got a real sense of who these guys are, what makes them tick and, and, you know, their passion for football and how hard this this actually is. So um, that was uh, each and every week. I've looked forward to that, I think, more than anything.
1: It's like when Mike leaves the podium and, like, has a couple extra words for us about his energy drink or whatever it is for the day. Like, those are the best moments in those press conferences. I agree with you there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I did a live hit one time. It wasn't live. It was recorded in front of the facility at Davie during the pandemic year because NFL Network was sending talent out to the building. So they had the on-air talent or the the in-house talent do it. And I wasn't, like, that polished at the time. It was my first year on the job. And it took like eight takes, and there was cars whizzing by right behind me at that on that street yeah. in front of the building there in Davie. And the nerve I felt for these guys I just met that were shooting this thing like, I keep messing this up. These guys are gonna leave me. They're gonna they're gonna cut me from the program. It was it was incredibly nerve wracking. So I've been there, my friend. It's I, I love sharing those stories. I'm speaking of that. One more here for you. I'll go ahead and get you out of here. Uh, Mike Cunho, CBS Four. You're the man, Mike. I appreciate your uh, your time here on the show. Tell us what you're working on for some potential features or stories coming up. Like, what are you looking forward to coming up on CBS, led by you, my friend?
2: Well, we've got yeah. Uh, you know, each and every week, we do Dolphins Weekly Live, the fifth quarter post game show, and the Coach Mike McDaniel show. We have all of these kind of Dolphin shows, entities, and and we get to talk to um, players one on one. But the thing I tell you this week right now is. Uh, we've got Deshaun Elliott um, on Dolphins Weekly Live. and I got to talk to him. And in one of those production meetings uh, during the preseason, he told us, Javon Holland's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's got all pro potential, no doubt about it. And so, you know, coming off that 99-yard pick six, we got to talk to him about it. And he's like, I would never tell you a lie. I would never tell you a lie. I'm not (laughs) lying. So Deshaun Elliott, uh, his interview, uh, I think is great this week. He's a fun guy. He loves movies. If you are into scary movies, he's got a really good one that he's uh that he's gonna suggest um for fans out there if you can if you can handle it. Um but yeah, so so that's what we've got this week. That'll be uh that'll be fun. That'll air Sunday, eleven thirty AM on CBS Miami.
1: The first time I met Deshaun, I knew right away this guy's gonna be a fun character for all content creators across the South Florida uh big hitter too.
2: The,
0: the best, big, man.
1: Totally. Big hitter. Yes. I, I love Deshaun. He's the man. It's a great yeah. company. Do not miss that. Big horror fan, big horror movie fan myself as well. So definitely going to tune into that. Mike Cugno, appreciate your time, man. We'll see you uh, next week, maybe.
2: Yeah, you'll see, I'm always around, man. I'm <laughs> always around.
1: I'm always around.
2: Appreciate you, Big Doug. All right, man. Thanks for
1: and there he goes, the great Mike Cuno. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there. Come back on the other side, and we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel before getting to my final guest of the day, Kyle Krabs. That's all next. Draft Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Nation. Segment two on a Friday, going to be very brief here. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel. But first, before that, the latest injury news for your Miami Dolphins. And we start with a really fun one as coach, as transparent as he can be, told us that Devon Achan will play in the game on Sunday. I continue to speak about how important it is to get him back, as well as getting Waddle cranking full steam to go along with what Tyreek Hill has been from the word go. To me, there's not a better trio of skill players, of playmakers in the National Football League, and I think Miami will rely upon those guys to carry them as far as they possibly can go this year. Don't count out Raheem Mostert from that equation either, but great news to get Devon A. Chan back. Fresh legs, hopefully, to have him for the stretch run could be very, very vital to this Dolphins offense. And, you know, I, just, I continue to think about where this team has been, where this team has gone, and we'll play some more sound here from Coach talking about being in the exact same situation in terms of being 8-3 and three heading into the month of December, and it was actually December 4th against the Niners last year when the season began to turn in the wrong direction, and now here we play the the Commanders on Washington, or on Washington, on December the 3rd. Again, at eight and three with a chance to, you know, really make things different this time around. We'll hear from coach on that in just one second, but real quick, sounds like Javon Holland has a chance to play as he was limited in practice on Friday. And I imagine it'll be questionable on the injury report. when that comes out later today. Go check out my Twitter around four o'clock or so as we should have that. So check it out there on social. I will have the latest for you guys, but he is dealing with two knee injuries and he is very eager to play, but as Coach McDaniel has been all year long, will provide caution, or I should say exercise caution, with regards to his playing ability. Both Teron Armstead and Kendall Lamb practiced on Friday as well, so a chance to see either of those guys back on the field at left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. And Isaiah Wynn, there's, it's not inconceivable that he returns, Coach McDaniel said, but he wouldn't put a timeline on it. To uh, you know, shortchange the process. So that's the latest injury updates. Let's go ahead and play two sound bites from Coach McDaniel. And I alluded to it already. I asked him what, how instructive was last year, but also the experiences of this season leading up to this point, being back at eight and three, heading into the final month, or by you know, by all intents and purposes, the final month of the regular season. How instructive can last year be for this year's squad? And he gave me a great, detailed, lengthy answer. Here is Coach McDaniel talking about lessons learned from year one and applying them here in year two.
0: Are you saying there's some similarities? Oh, the exact same record. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I have two, um, really two things to kind of uh, set my feeling towards what you're speaking of. You know, eight and three last year, and uh, you, you go through something that's very, very difficult, which is um, watching. Uh, you know, having to fight in the last game to even get in the playoffs. When at eight and three, that's not really what's on your mind. So, you're very interested um, in you know how how people use that. For me, um, you know, it falls right into the way I look at how to do everything, which is, you know, for us to say that's a bad thing or a good thing, um, it has to do with how we respond to it. I have two examples, that's Wednesday's practice and Thursday's practice, um, and those lend me to believe that that we have a committed football team to, to make right um, those lessons learned last year, to make that last year actually purposeful as opposed to just uh, we let we let opportunities slip through our fingers we possibly could have had a home playoff game and and we uh we messed that that year up i i felt um this week with the players that 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 hurt cut deep deep enough that there's um, a, a completely different mindset um, this practice Wednesday and this practice Thursday, um, night and day difference from last year. And, and, and that's what you want. You want it to um, – if you're going to go through it, you want it to, to be of some purpose. And I, I see a team that um, understands what it means to build during the season, to continue the growth as a team – so that um, we're our best version of ourselves uh, when it matters most. I, I see a team that uh, is excited to play together. I see a team that's that is used to um, you know the 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 spotlight or the the headlines. Um, you know we have and and that isn't enamored by that. Um, I see a team that takes uh, the Washington Commanders um, as serious as every other team that we've played this year, and a team that's excited to go um, compete against them, and that's the only thing on their mind. You know, I'm very proud of where our team's at because our team uh, is connected to each other, plays hard for each other, invests in in the responsibilities um, for one another, so that they can uh, truly take advantage of each and every Sunday, which, um, you know, we only have a finite amount and each one of them's very special. There's a lot of people that pay really, really good money to come w- watch us do what we do. And uh, this team seems to not take any of that for granted, which gives you the, the opportunity to be your best self, which is all that I care about.
1: So I fancy myself a a Miami Dolphins analyst, right? I actually prefer that as my title compared to like podcaster or even writer, whatever it might be. And all year long, I have been shouting from the rooftops how good I think this football team can be. And last year I was doing the exact same thing. And of course, the quarterback's health uh, was kind of the deterrent in that ability to do that. We'll touch on that here more in a second as well. But I think I'm ready to kind of put my stamp on this and kind of, you know, stake my claim on this, that I think this Dolphins team has as good of a chance to make the run to February as anybody else in the AFC. I think Philly and San Francisco could probably, you know, lay stake to a larger claim, maybe even Dallas in the NFC, but we'll see about that. But I think in the AFC, this Dolphins team, with the combination of offensive firepower and defensive playmakers and rush and coverage and all the stuff, the running game, passing game, you can win in multiple ways. You have an advanced coaching staff that understands how to you know, adjust and make changes and understands what it takes to win in today's NFL. And that answer that coach just gave us, paired with the experiences of last year and how sometimes good teams in this league have to kind of get kicked and you know, be down before they get over the hump and fi- ultimately achieve their ultimate goal. And what Coach said there about the makeup and the practice of Wednesday and Thursday and what we've talked about really since you know they began assembling this roster you know years ago and the importance of character and locker room presence and how very careful Coach McDaniel has been about massaging those particular traits that he feels are very important to winning football games and making a deep run at this. All of that jumbled up with the talent on the football team and my own personal scouting of the team. like I, I think we're about to see something very special. Could be wrong, but like what I mean by that is like, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance you might have seen the Dolphins last loss this season. Why don't we go ahead and leave it at that? That's that's how a special I think this season could be. Let's go ahead and finish up here because the biggest part of that is the health of the quarterback and Coach touched on the fact that was about to play his 12th consecutive game and this is a sidebar, an additional fact. He's 23 snaps away from eclipsing his career high. How important that's been to this Dolphins team and now they have him healthy for the stretch run. Here's Coach on how important that's been and what Tua did to put himself in this position by his diligent work in the offseason.
0: You're always happy when people um, get... You know, results from, you know, diligently working at, at something, whatever it is. So, like, you go and um, attack what you can control in the midst of a ton of narrative about, yes, n- yes, you can, no, you can't, all this other stuff. He worries about one thing, and that's, all right, well, what's the problem? Staying on the field what can I do to fix it? And that's all he worries about. Um, it doesn't surprise me um, that we're in the position we're in um, at this point in the season where he's played 12 games in a row because I've never seen someone attack um, attack an offseason uh, with, with that much. Like, it's not a chip on his shoulder. He was just so motivated um, to – control what he can control so motivated so uh doesn't surprise me um I think the you know the results speak for themselves in that way um football is a uh you know a game where you can't predict um you know really anything that's going to happen uh but you can control the certain things I think he's done an under, unbelievable job of that um uh, I'm really proud just just really proud and happy um, that we're at, at this position this season with him um, playing 12 games in a row. Cause I know uh, how much he directly has to do with that and that it's, it wasn't an easy position for him to be in. Um, but what, what he did do is uh, is take himself as a man, as a player um, to a, to a different level um, within that commitment and, you know, I think just his overall command, just just it affects everyone. I think he his confidence with his ability to stay healthy, um, guys guys can feel, and you know we're we're just very fortunate that our quarterback um, is is wired the way he is from a mental standpoint, because he uh, he you know I'm not sure if you guys were placing side bets, but there was a lot of people that were betting against him. He knew that. And, um, you know, so he, uh, as a result, he gets better from everything, good, bad, or indifferent.
1: Last break right here. Let's go ahead and come back on the other side and hear from my good friend, Kyle Krabs. That's the next drive time podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by auto nation. Joining us today, as he does. Almost every Friday, didn't have him on last week on the Black Friday game, is the great Kyle Kraus from Locked On NFL Scouting and, of course, Locked On Dolphins covering your Miami Dolphins. Kyle, how we doing, my friend? How was the holiday?
3: Uh, the holiday was good. I hope everybody had a good holiday who's listening here and obviously Travis, Hugh and then the rest of the, the Miami Dolphins uh, group that uh, put on a good show for us on Friday, Black Friday. Uh, it's always nice to get a divisional win. Uh, they're, they are especially nice when they come by three touchdowns. So that was a really nice treat to, to bring the holiday weekend, uh, into full swing.
1: If there's anything I learned from the Spotify wrapped, uh, thing this year, the thing, I don't know what to call it. It's that the audience you're talking to right now probably is your audience as well. So, uh, locked on overlap there and drive time. Listeners are pretty, pretty big, uh, Venn diagram there with a big circle in the middle. Let's go ahead and talk about this weekend in college football because Kyle, one left, one left before bowl season. And you know, bowl season has kind of been watered down in recent years with all the players that leave and don't play in those games. So, this is kind of the last big college weekend until we get to the playoffs. And my question for you is, how important do scouts view these games in relation to the rest of the schedule? Are the bigger games? amplified more in a bigger way for scouts for the next level?
3: I, I certainly think, especially when you're you're evaluating for a team that wants to aspire to compete for championships and, and be in big moments, you want to see the players and how they perform and meet those big moments. So uh, I do think that is one element of this. You think about the game uh, tomorrow with Georgia and Alabama with the SEC championship game that stands out. I do think the game tonight with Oregon and Washington is is big for a different reason. It, it's, it's relevant for that same reason. There's obviously a college football playoff spot that's on the line for that. But these two teams played each other before this season, and it was a barn burner, and Michael Penix puts together a killer drive at the end of the game in the final two minutes to go down and take the lead in a 36-33 win against the Oregon Ducks. Now, it's like divisional football in the NFL. When you're evaluating players, you always covet the second matchup because it showcases there's an awareness of what they do well, what they do. Didn't we played them before there might be some new wrinkles, some, some tendency breakers that are involved, but by and large evaluating players at any level, when there's a familiarity with all the players that are on the field is a really, really nice kind of extra lens to put on the, the evaluation process. So I I love getting these conference matchups that are rematches from regular season games, because it's like, Cards were on the table the first time you played. Now it's go out there and execute. And for an Oregon team specifically, don't you think about that team last year and how they got handled by the Utah Utes twice last year, got their teeth kicked in, really. Uh, A chance to to have a mulligan game in the Pac-12 championship game against Washington for those Oregon Ducks players. Uh, I'm really dialed in on that
1: one. Yeah, you really cut through the deception that it could possibly be there from the first time you meet up with that team. That's, that's a great point. I hadn't really thought of that from a divisional you know, NFL perspective, but in the same way in college. And uh, just full transparency, uh, supposed to be partial in this, or I should say impartial in this industry. Go Ducks, man. The Cougs had the dogs <laughs> on the ropes last week and they let them off the hook. We knew who they were and we let them off the hook. And Michael Penix, I, he looked injured to me in that game. He was like limping around and he was, you know, kind of off by himself on the sideline. So I'm curious to see how he looks in that game because he didn't look at like the Michael Penix we've seen all year long against a not so great WSU defense, but I digress. Speaking of that, you mentioned that game. uh, You talked about Georgia-Alabama. The the getting is good this weekend, my friend. I know there's plenty of options you could choose from here, but what's some games and some matchups for the NFL draft perspective of things that you're keeping a close eye on this weekend?
3: Yeah, I think you can look at any of the teams that feature teams in the top three. Uh, I'm not as dialed in on Louisville-Florida State, the ACC championship game tomorrow night, but Oregon-Washington, Georgia-Alabama, and Michigan-Iowa uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that I won't have Cooper Dejean uh, in that game. I yeah. uh, you know he had a foot injury a couple weeks ago. University of Michigan uh, lost Zach Zinter with a, a pretty ugly leg injury uh, in their most recent game as well. So there's some prospects in that Big Ten matchup tomorrow night at eight o'clock that uh, will be missing some of their NFL talent that will be eligible for this year's class if they choose to make that leap. But Anytime you have the number one and number eight team in the country in, in Georgia and Alabama, you kind of know what you're getting when you have three and five in Oregon. And I I love that Oregon is the, the, the Pac-12 game is the standalone game tonight, um, if you're not counting New Mexico State and Liberty, just because <laughs> so much of that West Coast matchup is missed by casual fans, right? So you now get this spotlight in conference championship weekend for Oregon-Washington, where whether it is Washington with their Offensive line. They've got three wide receivers that are viable NFL wide receivers. You obviously have the quarterback position as well. Then you flip things over to Oregon. And we know about Bo Nix and Bucky Irving and Troy Franklin. And uh they've got a center that I have yet to lay eyes on that I know a lot of people that I have a lot of respect for ha- have called out as a viable NFL prospect. And then on the defensive line, guys like Brandon Dorless, like it's a loaded game. So I, I would look at Big Ten, SEC, and Pac-12 games are- that are all loaded with talent if i had to rank them i'd probably say sec championship pac-12 championship and then this year's big 10 championship
1: that's a good point they probably do it on purpose that way with the pac-12 on friday because it's always been that way for the pac-12 championship to avoid putting them in the 10 o'clock eastern window on saturday when again everyone's in bed not watching football at that point but uh also i think this is the first year of the games in vegas which is a huge boon because yeah. they used to put it out in santa clara and you know Fans of schools, they want to go down there to the game, but you're 45 minutes away from any the nearest metropolis. So, like, it kind of discouraged fans from going to those games, and the energy in those games was never great. But Vegas, that has a different energy that typically comes built in when you play in those venues. Let's go ahead and talk about the main reason you're on the podcast here in sporting that beautiful, shimmering, aqua, throwback, dolphins, starter, starter level, like, uh, warm-up bullpen pitcher's jacket. That's a lot of words. It looks great. You look great, Kyle. <laughs> you got to look good to
3: feel good, you know? Gotta Big look, subscriber of look, look good, good, good,
1: play good. So maybe hey, Coach Prime to have. Uh, no, let's go ahead and talk about some December Dolphins football here because I just talked to Mike Cuno on this, on this episode. We were talking about the importance of these games and how it's kind of cool how Miami has a stretch run here, you know, coming up in December right around Christmas Eve against three teams that are probably going to be in the postseason, maybe not the final game of the year, hopefully not. Um, but it's a good little test run for the Miami Dolphins here. But just kind of want to get your take on December football, what this team could have learned from last year's experience where things kind of went, you know, upside down this time last year, and also what this year's team could do to I, you probably do believe in them as a championship potential contender. But like, what's one thing they could do that would really make you feel very good about their chances once they do get beyond that threshold of the regular season? I think if
3: you, I, I think if you can improve your offensive efficiency and protecting the football. I think that really changes the conversation. Like you you could talk all you want about uh, kind of the early season performance of this team and getting settled into the new scheme with Vic Fangio on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, obviously the improvements in, in total yardage that this defense has experienced this scoring defense, they're still ranked 22nd, but you've had three pick sixes this season. You had multiple possessions against the Raiders where you turned the ball over in scoring territory and, and directly yielded points. Uh, you had a special teams touchdown in week three against Denver. Uh, but they the the fumble to start the second half against New England. All of these instances of short fields directly yielding points on the board, you know, not ending in a possession and a kick. And I know that's that's kind of every special team's coach mantra is, right, is every possession that ends in a kick is a good possession. But it's in this case, it's not wrong. So I, I think for Miami, and you know, we heard Tua Tungalala talk about it this week when he was asked about it. Um, making sure that the efficiency is not putting the team at a position where it's it's giving away more points than teams have to earn against you. If you force teams to go the field against this defense, yeah. it's going to be hard sledding, case in point. There, there has not been a single team that has scored more than 21 points in the last four games, and if you go back to the last six games, there's only one game in which the team yielded more than 21 points. So they played some good offenses in that stretch. They, 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 they protect the football. And I think this conversation really changes for, for the ceiling of this team. I can't, I,
1: I literally cannot wait. Like I want to enjoy these last six games we have promised to us. And then, I mean, we're, we're very close to getting promised a seventh, but like, I want to enjoy them, but man, I just can't wait to see how it plays out. Cause I think this team has it in them to make those corrections and then be the best version of themselves you know, when the calendar turns 2024. And if that happens, like we're going to be in for a very fun ride here. And just real quick, my, uh, my co-host on the post-game show, Seth Levick, i going to love the mention there of the, any drive that ends in a kick is a any good possession. there. A little old school thinking there, but you're, I, I get where you're coming from in that, in that frame of mind where just don't turn the ball over and you're probably going to be pretty damn good and tough to beat. Kyle Krabs, you're the man, buddy. Uh At grind the tape on Twitter. Locked on NFL scouting, locked on Dolphins podcast. You can find him all over the webs, the interwebs, as we call it. Kyle, thanks for your time today, my friend, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, Travis. And away he goes and away we go for the weekend. You can find us back here on Sunday evening slash Monday morning for the Commander's Recap Podcast. Of course, check me out on the post game show with my guys, Seth and Juice. Also, find the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it. Uh, The guy that gave us the one-star review because of Connor Williams' bad snapping, don't get it, but if you guys want to go ahead and give me a five-star review on top of that to push it back to the back, that would be cool. Also, go ahead and follow me on social at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the aforementioned Seth and Juice on their podcast, The Fish Tank, and also the YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, daddy's coming home.